Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the Jolt Maversick podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm Josh Bernardi. I'm the host of this episode, uh, and I'm also the membership chair of Maver. So thank you for joining us today. We have two excellent speakers today. Uh, but first, just a little timestamp. You know, we're recording this in June 2020. Uh, we've been living through the COVID-19 pandemic for what feels like forever now. So I know a lot of us have spent this almost this entire year just getting adjusted to quarantining, social distancing. But for a lot of us, though, that means more time with our tech. We get to enjoy a little bit more time with VR and AR. I know I'm uh, pretty addicted to the the new Walking Dead game that was ported to PlayStation VR. It's a fun way to just uh, distract yourself from what's happening, but... It does seem like a lot of developers, game developers, software designers are starting to make a lot more sophisticated uh, products for VR and AR. So I know that this game that I'm playing, it's, it finally feels like a really full-fledged game and not just a demonstration of what VR can do. So yeah, I'm excited about the direction that this is going to go. But I think the reason we gather for Maver is usually to talk about the potential of this technology for research and education purposes. So. Our two guest speakers today are both excellent. We have an interview done by our own Chris Hastings of Dr. Su Ming Tang and her thoughts about the current trends of MAVER in teaching and research. Uh, Professor Tang is a scholar who published her research on learning and technology extensively in top-tier journals. And Chris spoke to Professor Tang at last year's PANSIG conference, PANSIG 2019, uh, where she was a plenary speaker. So this was done in the field, so there's a little bit of background noise, but that's the exciting thing about going to these kind of conferences and being able to uh, meet these very excellent speakers and researchers. But first we have a talk from Matthew Turner. Uh, he was kind enough to record some responses to questions that we sent him about an AR-based project he did with some tourism majors at his university. So he talks about it, how the students responded, and he also talks a bit about AR use in tourism in general. It's uh, really interesting stuff. So we'll kick it to Matthew. Take it away. Hi, Mavisig. Uh, my name is Matthew Turner. Um, I'm a lecturer at Toyo University in Tokyo. Um, I work for the International Tourism Faculty, and I predominantly teach English and content classes to uh, students studying about tourism. I'm also the coordinator of uh, JALT's teacher development SIG, and I'm also a podcaster myself, and I'm one of the co-presenters of the Teflology podcast. Personally, I'm, I'm originally from England, um, south of England, a city called Portsmouth, and I've been living and teaching in Japan for about 11 years now. Um, I'm very new to the world of AR and Maver. Um, so I should say that at the very start of this recording. Um, however, my, my main research interests are uh, special educational needs in ELT, reflective practice, and more broadly, uh, professional development and continuing professional development. Yes, so as I mentioned previously, I work for a, um, an international tourism faculty at Toyo University, and I teach a course called English Tourism Projects and Presentations. And for this course, I'm tasked with coming up with um, three five-week projects uh, in in a kind of a cycle kind of form, um, where three of three of the classes are kind of input classes. Uh, one of the classes is a preparation class, and then the final class is a presentation class where they present their projects. 
Um, in the past, I, I did do a class that looked at kind of uh, job hunting skills in the world of tourism. However, this year, or last year even, I should say, um, I wanted to kind of switch this out with a new project. Um, and that project was an AR project. So I think um, the topic of AR is a, is a good thing to introduce to students studying about tourism, um, not only in terms of English learning, but also in terms of tourism content. And basically my project, being a, being a, a project class, I wanted to kind of address both of these points, uh, content and the language learning aspect and the application of AR in the classroom. Um, so I began my project by looking at different ways that AI is currently being used in the tourism world. Um, and there are a lot, lots of different examples. Um, uh, for example, AR is being used to support tourists with uh, transportation and translation services. Um, AR is being used in museums to make museums more interactive. Um, AR is also being used to kind of bring history alive again in um, in kind of tourism locations uh, where where history is of importance. And I guess in general, AR or tourism-related companies are beginning to use AR as a as a marketing tool and as a way to promote their businesses to tourists. So AR is very much a topic of relevance to tourism students, and it links quite nicely across all, all of the tourism sectors that my students are studying about, such as accommodation, uh, marketing, and service communication too. So the focus of my project, or, or I guess the guiding question, was how could AR be used to support international tourists visiting Japan? And in order to do that, I tasked my students with making uh, augmented reality enhanced tourism information posters. So my students uh, went away and looked at different areas um, in which uh, international tourists visiting Japan may require some additional information, um, perhaps beyond the printed medium. So they looked at five different areas. Um, they looked at shops, attractions, tourism attractions, uh, stations, food and restaurants, and museums. So guided by these five themes, the students decided... Um, particular areas that they'd like to address with their posters. So if I recall a couple of examples, uh, one group looked at how to pray and enter shrines or temples uh, correctly. Um, another group looked at how to prepare different kinds of food and the ingredients that go into different foods in Japan. And another group um, gave an overview of the local area around our university um, for visitors to the area. So each of my groups uh, used A3 paper for their, their posters, their tourism information posters, and they began by um, using standard images and writing um, to talk about their, their themes. And then the second stage was to use AR to enhance and supplement their posters. So around the poster, the students um, dedicated particular AR trigger points and then using an app called HP Reveal, um, which I'm sure many of you are aware of, um, the students then went away and created additional videos um, that would support these, these points on their posters. Uh, so some students took trips to temples with their groups and performed, um, how, performed the rituals of how to pray at temples and that kind of thing. 
Others uh, made food. Uh, I think one got her mum to make sushi and filmed her mum making sushi. And others kind of acted out different kinds of uh, information situations. So there was there was one group that gave some translation support and how to say particular words in Japanese to uh, tourists who who don't speak Japanese. And yeah, different things like that. So so the AR allowed the students to be a, a little more active in their learning. And yeah, they went away and were very independent in what they created. So finally, once the videos had been created, the students attached these to their posters. And then on the final day, the final stage of the project, uh, the students gave a demonstration, an interactive demonstration to other groups in the class. And the students all walked around the rooms with smartphone in hand and tried out the posters for themselves and answered any questions uh, that the groups had. Being that this was um, kind of half content course and half an English learning course as well, I wanted to reflect this in my assessment criteria. So I had five ways of assessing. Um, I looked at informativeness, so the quality and depth of the poster's information. Uh, creativity, the level of creativity of the posters. Enhancement, how the AR enhanced the posters. Uh, usefulness, how useful were the posters for tourists and related users. And finally, teamwork, so how cohesive were the posters in terms of design and student collaboration. So learners generally responded in a positive manner to this project. Um, a majority of learners were already aware of AR's role and position in the tourism industry and were subsequently interested to experiment and try it out for themselves in class. Um, some learners remarked how the use of AR videos made content that would perhaps be difficult for tourists to understand through written word or still image only a lot easier. Um, with regard to working with others um, in the group, some responded that the use of AR helped them to learn how to cooperate with others uh, better, and some record how engaging they found the process of directing and recording videos together. And also on the tourism level, a number of students commented that AR affords the ability to realistically represent important information that tourists need to know such as certain behaviours and actions related to visiting a shrine or temple in Japan. And some learners also reflected on the convenience of using AR and how most modern smartphones have the ability to trigger AR imagery anyway, so this opens up a range of opportunities in the world of tourism. So in response to your final question, and in short, uh, yes, absolutely, I think that AR and other forms of mixed and virtual realities do have a part to play in educational settings and English language learning, um, not just as a form of content, um, as, as we've seen with tourism, but as a tool for, for learning in general. So I think AR affords many possibilities. Um, we can bring multiple situations, scenarios, imagery um, into the classroom that perhaps we couldn't do before. I think this is this enhances learning. Um, this makes learning a lot more authentic and a lot more engaging for the learners in general. Um, but as I said before, um, not being an expert in this area, I'm kind of hesitant to sort of give my opinion about um, what this kind of technology has in store for the future. But I certainly think on a personal level and from my own experiences, um, I enjoyed using AR and I hope to experiment with it again in the future. Thank you.
Okay, I'm here with um, Dr. Su Ming Tang, I'm the plenary speaker at uh, PANSIG today, and I'm going to be asking her a few questions related to uh, MAVA. Um, so, first of all, um, thank you very much for agreeing to do this interview and um, giving us your time. Um, yeah, how, how has your experience of uh, PANSIG uh, been so far? Um, I heard the, new, the plenary, um, the, the format of the plenary was a little bit different this year. It was done in an interview um, style. How was that? Right. Uh, this is my second PANSIG. The first time I attended PANSIG was in Okinawa. Mm. So I enjoyed it very much and I thought that I would come back. And so, of course, when I was invited as a plenary speaker, I was very happy because it gave me the chance to come back. But of course, Okinawa is very different from this place, and <laughs> I think Okinawa is more relaxed and enjoyable. But still, this conference came across as very enjoyable and also very relaxing, and the people are very friendly and helpful. And uh, as far as the plenary uh, interview was concerned, initially I was a bit uh, hesitant I would not say nervous, but hesitant and not sure what to expect. But it turned out to be quite a relaxed session and I was able to give my views regarding my personal experience in uh, undertaking quite a lot of ICT uh, technology research studies in the Malaysian context and also sharing my views about all the challenges we were facing. Except I would say that an interview is less formal and less academic in nature, mm. which means that it does not allow me to cite a lot of studies mm. and also to bring in theories to support what I feel. Mm. Though I could do it, but I felt it was out of place to suddenly say so and so say this and mm. these theories, which theory applies. So I felt, and I did consult the person who was interviewing me and said, no, 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 it should be relaxed. So in that sense, I felt that. Maybe for a job seat conference is fine, but for a formal conference, mm. maybe the interview session is not so suitable, mm. especially when you interview people who are there to share a theory that they feel very passionate about and they want to tell you a theory. I think a more mm. formal setting would be better. Mm. No, it, I um, heard some really interesting comments. Um, yeah, this, um, this style of... Um, or more relaxed podcast style um, interviewing has become more um, interest, more popular recently. I, I think it's a, a good way to um, introduce people to academic ideas. But like exactly what you've said, um, it's difficult to talk about give citations and talk about that theory in detail because it doesn't really fit the, fit the format. Um, but um, yeah, maybe for more rela relaxed, um, informal, semi-formal um, conferences, maybe it's a good kind of um, right. good tool. Uh, I was thinking like, for example, like PANSIC is fine. And uh, for more formal conference, you could start off with a plenary lecture and follow up with a podcast, mm -hmm. which I've seen happen before, whereby the plenary speaker will sort of expound his theory or her theories and share that. And then during the podcast, she will actually explain how she came about it, her personal experience with it. So you have two together. Mm. Mm -hmm. that, that, that means that uh, people who listen to the lecture at the conference might say, ha, ah, I don't understand this, but she would actually explain it during the interview. Mm. No, it's, there's, um, there's um, I think it's great at conferences, people are experimenting with kind of different modes mm -hmm. of um, delivering information. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, people are, are, we're still figuring out what's the best or most appropriate, right, appropriate right. way to do things. But I would say it's more interactive. Mm. It's definitely more interactive, especially the questioning sessions. I can hear uh, the views of the people mm. because they came back with lots of questions and I can see how they receive my interview session mm-hmm. um, from the questions they ask. And sometimes they, they are skeptical of my ideas and they actually put it in the question mm-hmm. and it came back to me and I could address it. I wouldn't say exactly what they wanted to hear, but at least I can share with them why I came up with the statements that I made. Mm. So in that sense, it's more interactive and I think sometimes at a conference when you have all those plenary lectures, it's it's above a lot of people. They they don't understand where it comes from and you feel a bit lost and you don't know what this person is talking about. Whereas interviews, uh, sort of plenary, are more friendly and more relaxed and the things that are shared are not so... Uh, daunting for a lot of people. Mm, yeah, it, it, it can be a good way for people to dip their toes into things. And yes, in, yes, yes, I agree. Things. I agree on that. Thank you. Well, um, so um, recently we've been asking um, asking um, attendees and um, experts about. Um, so we we founded our SIG. Uh, it's coming up to two years now. The uh, Maver Maver SIG and um, our members research um, augmented and virtual realities, often using um, head-mounted displays, sometimes using smartphones. Um, this this technology has emerged maybe over the past five years as um, as something that's being um, it's being up up. Uh, taken up by a lot of different educational um, institutions now. It's being used by students, teachers and researchers. Um, right. So, mm. so yeah, um, so what are, uh, what are your um, thoughts and impression of this uh, trend? Right, uh, I've heard of this, uh, you call it M-A-V-R, you call it Mavi. Ma- Meva. Meva. Mixed okay. augmented uh, virtual Yes, yes, yes. Right. Uh, well, actually, I would say that I've not dabbled with it, I've not tried it, and as far as I know, came from readings, as well as when Google, you remember the Pachinko, Google, and all those things where it's more towards romantic reality, where, where the objects came up, and it became very popular when people ran around searching for the, uh, the objects and all that type of thing. So I was sort of introduced to it and I said, oh, that is quite interesting. Though I did not actively participate with it. And of course, the, the Google expeditions and all that thing, I have seen it and before and I felt that maybe that could be used in the classroom. Mm. But in the Malaysian context, I don't think any teachers have taken it up mm. because they felt that it was too much work. Mm. It means that you have to first thing learn the technology, then you have to... Uh, prepared those uh, cardboard stuff for the students and mm. you have to arrange the trip etc so I'm not sure to what extent I would be able to get the teachers to be involved already mm. they complain so much about <laughs> the fact that technology is so much work and uh, even simple things like uh, digital storytelling which is quite simple mm. and other simple tools and they already complain it's too much work already so you expect them to, to do things like that. So, so I would say that it's an avenue that actually could be explored and mm. I would very much like to be involved in the research whereby we test it out mm. and see whether it's possible to get the 
students to be interested. But I, I can see the students will be interested, whether the teachers will be interested. Mm. And as far as using it for public speaking, I felt that would be interesting to see whether actually you would help to reduce the anxiety of students mm. if you expose to them uh, an, a virtual reality audience mm. and let them practice it out. So, because for me, uh, public speaking actually for everybody is very nerve-wracking for mm. the first time but as you get used to it it becomes part of you mm. I remember the first time I did my public speaking I said no this is not <laughs> me I, I'm never going to continue to be a lecturer I would just be a lecturer teaching in class and I'm not going to present at the conference that was, the, that, that was my feeling but I decided that I have to overcome the feeling mm. so but I feel that maybe this one will allow people to have opportunity to, to try more times mm. using a virtual audience first and then by the time they see a real audience they are more mm. prepared to handle that mm. so I would very much like to do a research in that area especially mm. of public speaking whether it's possible to get people to reduce the anxiety mm. as well as the one where you say that uh, exposed to the new town etc well that is also possible to do a research into it and to see whether it really reduces anxiety of people who have fear of big cities. Mm. There are lots of people who do not want to travel because they say there are a lot of things they are not familiar with and they feel lost. Mm. So maybe that is a good thing too. Mm. So I would think that uh, if this type of technology is introduced to the schools as well as uh, classroom in the uh, classroom schools as well, I think it will be good. Uh, but as far as the learning is concerned. Mm. I I wonder, like so for example, of course, public speaking is lower anxiety. Mm. The one finding ways is lowering anxiety. Mm. But how about uh, do people really learn when they go to these Google expeditions mm. and all that? That I think uh, so far I've read quite a few papers that written, not very conclusive evidence that they learn. You know, not statistical figures to shows mm. that they increase in knowledge, etc. Mm. More quality sharing that uh, mm. the students. Uh, so I think that if it becomes uh, more widespread, probably more research can be undertaken as to how students learn from there and what sort of learning. As you mm. say, in most cases, a lot of incidental learning will come about. Mm. Uh, it's not that learning that you can control, but incidental learning. So, I think it opens itself to a lot of research. And if we can get uh, people to be involved and all that type of thing, I think it would be a new area. But to what extent teachers are going to carry it out in the classrooms, or to what extent we can get the teachers to really practice them in the class, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, so... There is possibly possibly a future for this kind of technology in Malaysian schools, um, but um, the the value of it will have to be demonstrated to teachers very mm. clearly, um, um, possibly through more rigorous academic research and yeah. through more substantial right. um, findings. So, so that you can encourage, like, so for example, teacher training college to actually expose the young teachers to all these technologies. But if there's no evidence that is really helpful, why would they go introduce it to the new teachers? Of right? course, yeah. exactly. So the new teachers are the ones who will take on the technology quite easily mm. because they are more ICT savvy and they are more towards some digital natives type of student, uh, people. Mm. So if they're introduced and they bring it back to school, mm -hmm. uh, then I think there is a potential for it, especially mm. in future, the future mm -hmm. generation. But 
so far there is no evidence that is so helpful, and it becomes like, uh, is it technology for the sake of technology? Is it just a fun fun thing, right? And why do you waste so much time doing this if it's the students might as well learn in the form a uh, more controlled environment instead mm. of that kind of way? You see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. exactly that um, motivation and um, engagement or more on-task behavior, that's also often cited as a reason to use the technology, but that may be that alone is not a su sufficient reason for yeah. it to be for this technology to be taught in um, like teacher training colleges right or, or to be introduced by the government on a widespread scale you know unless you can prove that you see so and so because they, they want evidence that mm. it has it has need to increase in uh, students of course you say engagement definitely is there okay uh, the students will find entertaining as well as well but as far as knowledge how much knowledge has they gained from the experience? Those sort of things have to be shown as well. And that has to be proven uh, um, using... Yeah. It, it shouldn't be just a face. Mm. And then after that, oh, everybody say, oh, it's a face only. And uh, after that, uh, we move on to a new technology. Mm. Uh, yeah. so, that, that, so that nicely kind of leads me on to um, my final final question, um, which was, do you, do you think this, um, this technology kind of represents a new paradigm or new mode of call research may be different from call research before. Um, for example, in, in JALT, um, there is already an existing um, call um, SIG, and we created our SIG um, um, Two two years um, two years ago, and um, some some people were surprised because of the type of research we're doing. They thought, "Oh, why aren't you just doing that in the call sig?" But um, for example, our, our, our founder, the um, the sig um, coordinator Eric Hawkinson, he thinks that it um, it represents um, something something different, like it's a new paradigm, something maybe separate or different from call. What do you what do you think about that? Well, I, I would, in my opinion, mm -hmm. call is a very big thing. Mm. So I, I would not say that it's a completely new paradigm. Mm. If you say it's an offshoot for call mm. and uh, it's important, significant enough to render itself to have a new seat, I would not object to that. Mm. I say it, it's something that you feel passionate about and you think is an area can develop. But no matter what, it's a use of technology for learning. And mm. call is about use of technology for learning. Exactly. And so this is also a use for technology of learning. Mm -hmm. But it's important enough to render a, a sort of a, a sick by itself, a render mm -hmm. a position separate, then I think it's a good thing because it will allow it to grow. If you're always under call, then you are, there are so many other things underneath it and then you find that uh, there is no uh, prominent position. Like, for example, I'm very into eye-tracking research. Mm. And I feel that despite everything, I would say eye-tracking is also using technology. Mm -hmm. Okay, the eye-trackers to find out. So I would say it's under call as well, mm -hmm. if you use it for language learning, mm -hmm. to find out whether it helps language learning or not. But eye-tracking is now away from call in that sense because it has its own position and there are lots of conferences about eye-tracking mm -hmm. and it's branched out for other things. So in the case of this virtual reality and the AR and the mixed mode, I think that it can actually branch out from language learning as well. Mm. It's not only learning language. You see, because like Google expeditions, it can be learning geography as well. Mm. Uh, when the students go to explore the... 
uh, Everest, Mount Everest, because geography is a very boring lesson. <laughs> I, I hate geography. <laughs> but if you can sort of inject those types of things that makes geography fun, mm-hmm. then it could be actually under this uh, uh, MAVR, for example. It can be under it as well. Mm-hmm. And also history as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a walk back in the past and you see real history happenings and mm-hmm. then you give opinions. Huh? I think the potential is vast, it's in, immense. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it should be limited to language learning. Mm-hmm. Language learning is just a small part of it. It can be learning of so many types of content courses. Mm-hmm. Like history is so boring, so dry. <laughs> but if you were to use virtual reality into history, I think it can be so interesting. Mm-hmm. Like I learn more history when I go f- traveling. Mm-hmm. Because I see the things and I really want to find out more. Mm-hmm. So if you have you students don't have the money to travel afar, mm-hmm. so give them this virtual reality opportunity to explore different parts of the world. That 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 is good. Is it like geography, history, even chemistry and biology, everything you can mm-hmm. exploring the cells, etc. So I, I think that it definitely deserves a new uh, position by itself. Mm-hmm. And but it should not be limited to language learning. Should be yeah. and you should invite people who are in various other uh, courses like ESP and other uh, specific purpose not only English okay mm. LSP learning for specific purposes mm. to come and join your MAVR group so because the, the technology has such it can be there's many broad applications we shouldn't um, kind of limit limit ourselves we should um, try and think of as many um as many ways it can be used as um, possible and also um, collaborate with um, with people from um, all different mm. um, all dif- all for different types of areas yeah, yeah. like uh, LS- uh, well, LSP learning for all sorts of purposes mm. uh-huh. there, there are so many ways of learning and it is a, a real paradigm in the sense it's a new way of learning mm-hmm. and it should not be for language learning only Mm. language learning is so limited mm. but there are so many things that you need to learn in life and that type of technology can be used even uh, AR you mm. can use it for learning a variety of things like you can use it to track things etc all related you know like uh, I've experienced one where we go to the museum mm. and then uh, they have objects here that you have to track track you know mm-hmm. and they give you a little bit of history and supposed to track the object that that treasure and then you're supposed to look for it and when you get it you get points mm-hmm. that is quite interesting as well mm-hmm. and that is not learning English that is learning history mm-hmm. you see so a day in the museum becomes very fun mm-hmm. because you're tracking all sorts of things and when you arrive at the spot the, the object comes up and they say oh you see this this mm-hmm. this is something you know Fantastic. No, um, but I guess then we need um, we need the the research. We need the the research to um, show um, the knowledge knowledge gains, prove the knowledge gains from maybe just the um, the activity that you just described, and mm. then once we have that um, evidence then um, yeah, maybe um, it'll be governments and um, teacher training colleges will start maybe investigating this technology. If you, if you uh, let them know that this technology is not only for language learning, mm. it's for learning any other subjects, mm. they'll be more open to accept the ideas. Mm. You see, like learning other subjects, you can also use virtual reality, which means that they say, ha, this idea is very good. All teachers in the school can use. Mm. You see, so it opens up the field. So broad, 
broad and open. Right. Yeah. And applications for variety of fields and uh, for variety of purposes. Mm. Oh, I, I think that would be the way to go. Well, I, I think that's a perfect uh, way to end the interview. Um, yeah, thank you very much for your time today, um, Doctor. And um, yeah, that was um, fantastic. Thank you very much for your comments. Thank you. That's been episode six of the Jolt Made for Sick podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, special thanks, of course, to Matthew Turner for recording that explanation of his AR project for us. And special thanks to Dr. Suming Tang for her interview with Chris Hastings. So if you're listening to this in June 2020, um, Maver is planning to do their PANSIG 2020 forum using a VR platform. So please look out for some communication about that. We hope to see you on there. Look for us on social media and look for our website. If you're listening to this podcast on Anchor FM, you can link to the website from our homepage there, or you can just Google Jolt Maver Sig. If you'd like to contribute to this podcast or submit a segment, we're always interested. And remember, you can contact us about articles for our newsletter as well. All right. Thank you, everybody.